This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And this is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly for October 26, 2023. It's the last weekly episode for October. This is episode 73. I look around the internet for news on sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics. And here are this week's headlines. The SAG after strike reaches 100 days. What we know about the Crow reboot. And what we know about the Rocketeer sequel. That's right, it's a sequel, not a reboot. Fran Dreschner wrote for Deadline on the status of the SAG after strike. We began negotiations in June with every expectation that we could reach a fair deal. We even granted a 12-day extension of negotiations in an effort to explore every possibility of making a deal, but to no avail. As the strike became an absolute necessity, the companies refused to continue negotiations and walked away in mid-July. When negotiations resumed on October 2nd, the CEOs afforded us exactly two full-day and three half-day bargaining sessions to resolve a contract that is fraught with iniquities and streaming video on demand, AI, and other critical concerns like minimum compensation increases that keep up with inflation and dated caps on pension and health contributions, just to name a few key concerns. We presented a comprehensive package, and again on October 11th, they walked away. As soon as we reach the 100th day of the strike, we are even more committed than ever to achieving a seminal contract that is fair and just because our livelihoods are at stake. There is more of her statement at deadline. And there is more Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, episode 73 in a moment. Fans cited reports on what we know about the Crow reboot. Bill Skarsgård has been tapped to play the lead role in The Crow. Bill Skarsgård is no stranger to the action genre. He starred in Deadpool 2, Eternals, John Wick Chapter 4, and Boy Kills World. This film, however, will be the first time he's leading a franchise vehicle. Artist and actress FKA Twigs from Honey Boy and Danny Houston from Yellowstone have been tapped with the lead roles in the reboot. Their characters have not been disclosed. We do know that FKA Twigs will star as a character akin to Shelley Webster, since she will be playing Eric's girlfriend fiance. But as a lead, she'll be featured prominently in the film, rather than being solely the catalyst of the plot. More at fan sighting. MovieWeb has an update on another, not reboot, but sequel, The Rocketeer. Writer Ed Rickcourt, Now You See Me, was tapped to write the sequel, aptly titled The Return of the Rocketeer. But it's now moved into the hands of Eugene Ash. It is being produced by Yorba Saxon, a production company started by David and Jessica Oyelowo, and that means to bring fresh voices to all areas of the meeting. This is their first collaboration with Disney. It is something the couple have been excited about due to the fact that it's the first project developed under their first look partnership with the studio. Writing has changed hands and it's still centering on a new hero. They've chosen to place this new Rocketeer only a few years ahead of the original in the early 1940s. The hero is a former Tuskegee Airmen, a group of famous black pilots who were trained to fly military operations. 
the squadron was activated in 1941. For this sequel, David Olielowo will star as the titular character who will be given one of these jetpacks and will himself become a hero, taking on the mantle of the Rocketeer. It's an interesting way for Disney and the filmmakers to take a fun concept and place it in the hands of actual historical figures. Screen Rant reports that a Star Wars X-Wing has sold for $3,135,000. This long-lost Red Squadron leader X-Wing miniature from A New Hope cemented its place in Star Wars history. It was a key part of the Rebel Alliance versus Empire battle over the Death Star and has influenced the way movies are made today. The miniature was considered long lost for years. Only one of the four original models created for the infamous battle scene of the Rebel Alliance versus the Empire over the Death Star. Speaking of Star Wars, Screen Rant has a story on the plot point that Ahsoka did, similar to The Last Jedi. In The Last uh, Jedi, you remember, Resistance pilot Poe Dameron led a mission to the Dreadnought, you know, to attack the First Order Dreadnought but was ordered to return to the Resistance flagship by General Leah Organa once the Resistance battle on Kutar was, was fully evacuated. He disobeys and he leads his squadron into battle anyway, and that was a result of heavy squadron casualties. And despite the destruction, he is demoted, and while the film frames him as being wrong, his subplot later vindicates his disobedience. Now in Ahsoka, Hera Simner leads an unsanctioned mission to Cirrus, hoping not only to find Urza Bridger, but also prevent the return of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Hera brings a small squadron of X-Wings, but when the Eye of the Scion launches into an intergalactic hyperspace jump, two X-Wings are destroyed, and their respective pilots and astromech droids are killed. Hera's actions and the subsequent casualties lead her nearly to be court-martialed. But Senator Leah Organa retroactively sanctions the mission through a cameo by C-3PO. They make their point at Screen Rant. Let's take a break from Episode 73 of Sci-Fi Talk Weekly. Screen Rant has a story on Superman naming the JLA member that could turn evil. In The Adventures of Superman John Kent No. 5, John Kent finds himself in the Injustice universe and learns to his shock that his mother is dead and father wants to take over the planet. His conversation with Injustice Batman goes like this. I could see you overreaching, wanting to make everyone on Earth bulletproof. Batman sat in the Mobius chair and gained immense knowledge of the universe. He creates a satellite to literally spy on the Justice League. But the article speculates that it could be a factor in turning Injustice Superman towards a darker path. More speculation at Screen Rant. They also have a story on Captain Marvel's four powers still missing from the MCU. In the MCU, Captain Marvel's incredible power level, it's derived from exposure to the Tesseract's energy and a blood transfusion from young Rogue. That infused her with Kree DNA as a source material and she gets her powers from a psyche magnetron machine fueled by the Kree's mega bands. And also subsequent experimentation by the telepathic brood aliens. 
these differences explain why probably those powers haven't been displayed in the MCU. That'd be a lot to process. But maybe in the upcoming Marvels, they might find a way to adapt it. Like the, state, the Space Zone seemed to have a mind of its own, as it chose the Red Skull to be the Soul Stone's protector and sent him flying across the universe to Boromir. Since Carol Danvers derived her powers from the Tesseract's energy, she could have drawn some cosmic awareness from the Space Zone, Space Zone which would give her an instinctive ability to locate living beings. Could explain how she found Tony Stark in Endgame. At one point, Carol also copied one of Monica Rambeau's energy-based superpowers and created a copy of herself made up of pure energy and even developed its own consciousness and adapted the identity of binary. More at Screen Rant, some fascinating stuff. Collider has a story on the massive plot hole for the boys. That is, the sheer number of suits. The show began by introducing a world where super-powered beings are normal. In the beginning of the show, we're led to believe that some babies are born with powers, and Vought has found a way to turn a select few into heroes. But it proceeds to claim that Vought actually created all the suits in Compound V, begging the question, why would they make so many? The company is corrupt enough to put children at risk with their own, for their own interests, and perhaps there's a certain amount of trial and error. But thinking about this logistically, making so many soups is an odd choice on Vought's part. Read more from Kendall Myers at Collider. Screen Rant has a story on whom Batman loves from his rogues gallery, and it's Talia al Ghul. This makes sense since they have a son together, and Damien, who actually becomes Robin. More revealed in Night Terrors this past summer in First Blood Number 1. Batman is mentally tortured by a new villain, Insomnia. He sees a vision of several headstones in a graveyard, showing Alfred, Dick Grayson's Batgirls, and Talia's graves. Showing Talia's headstone shows the love of one of his most dangerous foes' daughter. More at Screen Rant. That's an interesting premise. Game Brand has a story on Bruce Timm's return to Batman in Batman the Cape Crusader animated series. He's doing it without the restrictions he had with BTAS, as it's known. He can do more adult storylines. Talking to Variety, DC Animation Production Manager Peter Giraldi revealed why Tim is so excited about this next project. It's everything that Bruce Tim wanted to do in an original series, the 1992 series, but because it ran on a kid's channel, he wasn't able to do it, Girardi said. So this definitely skews older. It's more of a complete vision. More on this on Game Rant. Time for some lists. Starting us off is Godzilla's Six Strongest Enemies from Screen Rant. Here's just a few. Biolante, which I was never privy to or actually never knew about, has beaten Godzilla once already. He is a plant-based Kaiju. Space Godzilla has also beaten Godzilla due to the crystals on his shoulders. However, those crystals are also his weakness. King Kong has also defeated the Zilla as well. Classic battles. Kong is only one of four battles won. More at Screen Rant. Here's another list from Collider on the 10 best Mulder episodes in the X-Files. Here's a sample. The pilot episode, 
a Mulder-centric episode where his energy and enthusiasm outshine Scully, plus his sister's abduction helps to introduce Fox. Little Green Men, Fox is dealing with the death of Deep Throat, played by Jerry Harden. Plus, Scully and Mulder have been reassigned. His almost obsession to find evidence drives the episode. Chinga, co-written by Stephen King. It starts with supermarket carnage, although Mulder is hardly featured. He's on vacation. But his calls with Scully are classic Mulder. More at Collider. Insider has a list of all the Walking Dead Universe series. Fear the Walking Dead, six episodes left, started showing already this month. Maggie and Negan try to find her son Herschel in The Walking Dead, Dead City. And The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, just started this September. We'll look for Michonne and Rick to return in The Walking Dead, The Ones That Live with Terry O'Quinn in the, in the cast starting 2024. And The Walking Dead World Beyond finished its two-season run. And Tales of the Walking Dead started in August of 2022. Now, how do these shows rank? Number five, The Walking Dead World Beyond. This is what Insider said. Painfully slow-paced with uninteresting teens who couldn't hold their own against the dead. The series disappointedly failed to connect the larger Walking Dead universe in more meaningful ways, or the flag, or to the flagship series final season. Tales of the Walking Dead. Overall, Tales was a wasted opportunity to better connect with the larger Walking Dead universe. Fans also wanted to see some old favorites return, and that didn't happen. They wanted to see a story about Glenn, to be honest. And number three, Fear the Walking Dead. It was two different series because of the showrunner change. Despite a surprisingly good season six, in which the show focused on smaller scale than closed episodes due to the pandemic, Fear stumbled again season seven, becoming nearly unwatchable at times. Ooh, ouch. More opinions at Insider. And you can enroll for a free lifetime membership at Sci-Fi Talk Plus with early release, exclusive and uncut episodes. Just click on the link in the show notes. It's free for a lifetime. And that is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, episode 73 for October 26, 2023. Last episode of the year in October, anyway. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks so much for listening.